Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today, we're very honored to have Sarah M. Sarah is a survivor of the killing fields of Cambodia. She is an inspiring author of the inspirational award-winning book, How I Survived the Killing Fields. She is a motivational speaker, aspiring entrepreneur, and a holistic wellness consultant. Her mission is to inspire, motivate, and encourage people to have hope, resilience, and a positive perspective in their life. Welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you. Sarah, let's, let's go back to 1975. What was your life growing up in Cambodia, which I have to say, I actually had the privilege of going to Siem Reap when I was on a, an Asian tour. Beautiful country, beautiful people. Uh, can you take us up to that time uh, when you were growing up, up to the time you left home to go to college? Sure. Yes, I grew up in the village in Cambodia. I love that um, environment because I was surrounded by nature and my parents are farmers and I was the firstborn child. I feel so much love and pampers. I felt so secure and love. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, my parents believe in education. So uh, they encouraged me to stay in school. So sure. I did. I did that until I finished high school. And then when I need to go to college, I need to move away from home to attend college in the big city in Phnom Penh, that's the capital city. How, 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 many, how many miles was your uh, home from Phnom Penh? I would say about 350 or so. That's a good distance. Miles. Yeah, it's a, it's a long distance. It's probably on the other end of the country, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not quite, but close. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're going to college. What are you studying in college? Hmm, you wouldn't guess. I study to be an engineer. <laughs> really? Wow. Well, that's yeah. that, that was a, that was a, a great field to go into. Did your parents uh, encourage you to go into engineering, or was that just something you came up it, with on it, your own? It's totally up to me. But yeah. I enjoy I enjoy math. I'm very good at math, so engineering right. will use a lot of math. In, in that in that time period that you were growing up, uh, tell us about what what was life like in Cambodia. Uh, you know how how were things? Peaceful, calm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, peaceful, relaxing, easygoing. That's how I felt, especially in the countryside. No hassle. No. No rush, no hurry. Yeah. Yes. That was a lot different when you got to college, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the Khmer Rouge come into power, the communist government. They take over the country in 1975. Tell us about that time period, how they operated initially, and where were you, and what was your fate at that time? When, when the Khmer Rouge... Uh, took over our country, we did not expect 
a drastic difference. We just thought that it's just a change of government, but they came in with the military, military weapon and tank and truck and, uh, yeah. and then they immediately shut down everything. While when they came, it was it was the holiday. We celebrate New Year in okay. April. Okay. So most of the most of the place is already shut down, except the marketplace. But when the Camaros came in, no more marketplace, no more business, nothing was open. Wow. They shut they shut down everything, including the bank. Imagine, imagine you have money in the bank and you need some cash. Yeah. You can't, the bank was closed. But even if you get to get your money, what can you do with the money? Nobody sell anything. Did they give any explanation to the population of why they were doing this? Mm-mm, no, they don't have to give any explanation they they came in with authority with madness and they came in with with obviously with did they did they have tanks did they have mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so they actually came in complete military style yes yes okay describe well well we're at that point in time you were in college correct yes i i I have an apartment not too far from the college, um, but I was not attending on that day that they came in because it's the holiday. So I take it they shut the college down, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So everything got shut down? Everything. 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 And did they go door to door? Yes. Knocking, knocking yes. on everybody's door? And when they went door to door, did they, like some... Uh, authoritarian governments, did they confiscate your belongings or anything like that? They don't do it right in front of us, but they just said, you just live. You don't need to take anything. It was just a short, uh, just a few days. So we don't know what to expect. So we don't, we we cannot carry too much with us anyway. And we cannot drive I don't have the car to drive. I was a, a student and no car. But even though if I have the car, where can you go? If if the gas pump is shut down, it's, you cannot get gasoline anywhere. And the people, all the people come out from their house, pile up on the street. You cannot drive anyway. Give us a, give us a perspective. What was the government like before the Khmer Rouge came in? What kind of government was it? Um, it was a uh, democ- dem- democratic. Democratic government. government. Okay. Yeah. So they were elected by the population. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, did you, did the population have any warning that the Khmer Rouge were coming? Could you have, could they have prepared for this at all? Or was this just something that just sprung up? Well, the the military, the the military was fighting somewhere. We uh-huh. don't we don't see, and and then uh, when the time gets so close, the takeover time, we hear the the gun 
and the rocket sound, the bomb getting closer and closer. Yeah. And then April 17th was the day that they came in. April 17th, 1975. Yes. Okay. Okay. So they, they come in, you're in college. I take it you're at that time. I don't think cell phones were around. No, no cell phone. Communication with your family was probably non-existent. No. Okay. So where, so they tell you to get out of your house and they, they, they form you in groups or whatever, then what, then what happens? They push us to walk, to walk away from the city. So we were walking on the street, carry a little bike, small bike that we grabbed from, from our shelter. Yeah. And we, we bring some food because we know that we will be hungry. But you have no idea where you're going, right? No, no, they don't. They don't tell you nothing. No, we just follow each other. Yeah. Uh, We just follow the crowd, but we we only know that we need to get out of the city. Right. So so we keep walking nonstop, and we sleep on the ground when the nighttime comes. Okay. So you're. How many days were you walking for? I I. I don't remember exactly, but it's probably about a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Okay. So you're yeah. walking, not really knowing where you're walking to. And then, and then what? You get to your destination. And where is your destination? We get to the, the village. Okay. The village is far from the city. Yeah. And, and that village are the people that already get trained from the communist group. They, they got trained how to, how to treat people that come from the city. And we were, we were asked to stay with, with the, the family, uh, people that have some room for us. So we just uh, stay there for temporary. And then right away, they want us to go to work in the rice field. Okay. Uh, now you're in the rice field. Can you describe uh, the work conditions that were placed on you and the others and that environment uh, of that situation that surrounded you? And how long did that last for? Well, I stay in this temporary place for only maybe another couple of weeks. And, and then I get moved. Well, they they make announcement that if you want to move to Badambong, I'll just sign up because they, they need to displace people. To, they take some people to put where they need more people. Right. You were, yeah. you, they put you in that, in that certain area. And, and then from there, where, where did, how did you get to the fields? Well, I, I work in the field the field is not too far from the, the temporary place. But, but the big field that I'm going to stay for four years is now that, and it's now there. Um, I got moved. I got moved to the different place. When, when I got to the other place, then I got moved again. So finally, I end up in a big camp. The, that camp had a thousand people, all single people. And then um, 
we were forced to work very long hours and we were given only very little food to eat. And we, because of the work hour was so long, we, we had very little time to sleep and no time to rest, seven days a week. We worked in the rice field all day long in the heat. And were they, uh, did they beat people if they didn't do their job? I mean, were they, was it like that? Were they, would well, hit people that, and that, that kind of thing? Mm, yeah, I heard other group, they do that. But in my group that I belong to, I did not see any beating in front of me because this group is, they consider a special group because they ask, they ask people to volunteer, to sign up, to go to this group. They call it a very dedicated group. Okay. That we are, yeah, we, we were vol volunteer to sign up to go there because we want to get trained. And they, uh, so I just keep moving. I just keep signing up because I want to move closer to my home. So every time there is an opportunity, I sign up. Did they, did they, besides working you like, you know, like slaves, mm -hmm. did they try to indoctrinate you with, with, uh, with an ideology? Mm -hmm. yes. They did. Yes. Yeah. We, we have no opinion to, no, no saying. Whatever right. they say, we had to do it. And right. we had to be. Let me break away for a moment to tell you about a great veteran-owned company making awesome products and giving back to the veteran and first responder community. Lucas Rui, an Air Force veteran, is co-founder of the Hero Soap Company in Arizona. He has always had a passion for using natural products, and his products that he manufactures are such a more healthier way to treat your skin. Every product is made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients. All products are created without fragrance, synthetic colorants, parabens, sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and cruelty-free, meaning these products at the Hero Soap Company are not tested on animals. Each bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona. All of the Hero Soap Company's ingredients are sourced from companies in the United States, as well as their clothing line of t-shirts, hoodies, and tank tops. They pride themselves as being the most American company in the United States. The product line includes five ounce square bar-shaped soap with the following scents. The woods, the sights and sounds of nature come to life infused with pine and cedarwood essential oils. Cedarwood infused with cedarwood essential oil and charcoal bringing the fragrant feel of the forest into your life. There's tea tree. This bold flavor will soothe, refresh, and make you feel alive. There's lavender. This fragrance will melt away anxiety and tension. Peppermint cool, which will hit you with an amazing sensation of invigoration and exhilaration. There's spearmint. The fragrance will leave a subtle coolness all day long to revitalize the body. And there's lemongrass. Unwind at the end of the day while the lemongrass-infused essential oil enhances your sleep and immunity and the infused goat's milk exfoliates dry and sensitive skin and the coconut oil reduces inflammation and helps skin healing. The Hero Soap Company also makes a body wash in 16 ounces. There's lavender, which will let the stress melt off every time you shower. There's the pines. You will be cleansing your body, mind, and soul with the spirit of the forest. The metal, 
This body wash will be an intense spark for your cleaning routine. It is juiced with an insane amount of oils that carries a current that captures the essence of freshness. The Arctic. This body wash is a glacial breeze of an eye-opening freeze. It has a ferocious peppermint punch that will refresh and restore your mind and body. Don't give it the cold shoulder. Liven up your daily routine with this frosty mint flavor. All the products are reasonably priced, so all can afford to use these natural products. It is so important now that all of us be careful what we ingest into and apply on our bodies. Please check out the website, HeroSoapCompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products and customer reviews of the products. As a bonus to all It's a Wrap with Wrap listeners, please use the code RAP at checkout and receive a 15% discount. The Hero Soap Company strives to create a brand that pays homage to the values that our country was founded on by our forefathers. With a veteran of the United States Air Force as one of the owners, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook page, and Facebook group. Um, every night we have a meeting, a mandatory meeting at nighttime, like 10, 11 o'clock. So at that meeting, they want to hear the word, I commit, I commit, I'm faithful, I'm dedicated to the government. So. That's what they want to hear. How many people, Sarah, didn't make it? I mean, how many got sick and just died? From my camp, out of a thousand people, there are probably about 700 did not make it. Wow. So and seven, yeah, seven out of seven. 10 people didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, were there, but, were, were there old people, young people? No. Was, was it that camp? That camp was just single people. Were they on the younger side? Yeah, on the younger side. And still, seven out of ten didn't make it. Right, because... because harsh conditions. Yeah, harsh conditions. The disease, the starvation, the was exhaustion. There, was there medicine? Did they offer any medical care at all? It was no. just like, you don't make it, you don't make it, and that's it. Yeah, there. I heard that there is the hospital, but that hospital is reserved for special people. Yeah. And and we are not special. Yeah, you're not, no, not that special. No. So, so were you uh, able to contact your family uh, during your, your time of internment? Did you have no. any, any communication? No, no, there is no way. No way. There, no way. Okay. So you want to get back to your house, your village, where your family is, and you're you're there. Uh, you said you said that the time period lasted about four years, correct? Yeah. Okay. So as I understand it, you escaped. Tell us how you escaped, and what was that journey like? And did you have any uh, help of any kind to escape? Yeah. I I have three escapes altogether, but my first escape is not 
too dangerous. I escaped out of the infirmary when I got so sick. Yeah. I could not go to work like everybody else. I was sent to the infirmary. That's pretty much like a death camp. So when I realized that I had no way to survive if I keep staying there. Right. So I, I get out. I, I run away. So that my first escape. It was, I was, I pray and God probably protect me that I didn't get beat up. Um, I, I've, I found a very kind team leader that, that feel sympathy for me and she put me to work in the kitchen. Uh. So that's such a big favor. That's a life-saving activity right there. Right, right. Yeah. You're on the verge of death and here you are and she's yeah. going to help, help. She helps you out. Yeah. Uh, that was your first, you said your first of three escapes? Yes. What was the second escape? My second escape at the end of four years they, uh, this camp was moved. They keep moving us away from where we, we used to be. So they, the direction of moving is to the jungle. The jungle, when I realized that we were moving in uh, deeper and deeper in the jungle, I realized that no way. I don't, I don't want to keep moving with them because my goal is to go find my family. Yeah. I have a beautiful, loving family that I need to be reunited with. I'm not staying in the jungle. So I risked my life and I, God probably gave me the courage to escape. And this time I did not do it by myself. I gathered three trusted friends. I asked them to, um, to escape with me. So they agreed. They they want to help me and they want to go with me. And, uh, and, how, that's and how, a life. How, did, how did that turn out? Because you said there was three escapes. No, that three, 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 my friend, three of my friends. Okay. So, so this was the last, this, it was two escapes. The yeah, first the one. Second and, and, and okay. My, okay. I thought you said three, but I'm wrong. Okay. So this is, this is the final escape. Okay. So so you're going into the jungle. Is the camp in the jungle at that time? Or yes, an, yes. It is. The, the, the camp is just the people. I, we, okay. we call it a camp because we were surrounded by the people with the gun, okay. with the big, big gun. So although there is no fence around us, yeah. but, but we, were, we were surrounded by gun people. Okay. So you and two others escape. Now, how did you know what direction to go to get back to your home? And as I understand it, you're in the jungle. You don't even have shoes on, do you? You're, no. bare, you're barefoot. Yes, I was barefoot. I have no idea where to go. This is, this is pretty random, but we know that we, we want freedom. We yeah. know that we don't we don't want to stay in this environment. Sure. So we just take a, we took a chance to go and we have no idea. But I'm sure God directed our step. We we try to trace by where we where we were coming from. Right. So right. We, we 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 just um just try to sense 
where were we coming from? Well, traced by a track and in the middle of the night in the jungle, it's very dark. I can imagine, yeah. Now, were there animals in the jungle that you had to be uh, concerned it about? It must be, it must be, but um, I was so lucky that I did not come across any animal. And how did how how did that how did you guys make it through with 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 no shoes? I mean, you're in the jungle. You had to be, you had to be, you know, your skin. Were you were you bloodied up and everything? Yeah, we we got used to. We used to have the rubber shoe, the make okay. of the make up make up of the um the rubber from the tire, but. Our only shoe that we ever owned in four years had got worn out. So yeah. by the end of four years, we we some some people still have that old ragged shoe and some don't. So so you're walking through the jungle trying to get back to your to your home. How many? How long was that journey in the jungle to get out of the jungle? How long did that last? Um, get out of the jungle maybe about a week. A week. And and then we try to find a way back to my hometown. So I probably walk another three weeks or so, two or three weeks. I um what did you what did you do for food? What did you guys do for food? When we took a little bit of rice from the camp, because when they moved us, they gave us a big bag of rice to carry with us. That's not our rice. We will just carry it for them. Yeah. But but in doing our planning to escape, we just cut the bag and uh, grab a little bit of rice, put in a little sack. And what about water? Water. I don't remember having any bottle of water. But in Cambodia, there are a lot of uh, like a a spring, like a little yeah. Um, waterway yeah so it, it's not too dry so if we are thirsty we'll try to go find a a stream of water it probably rains a lot too doesn't it yeah yes. yeah i remember when i was in cambodia uh at angkor wat it was huh? it was so humid <laughs> it was very very humid so you eventually make it uh to your home village Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, God, God probably gave you the sign how to get there. There's no doubt about that. What was the condition of your village and your home when you got there? When I got there, the home that I used to to live in, there was no more home. They destroyed the home, and the people in around there they said, "Oh, they destroyed the big house." Well, we used to have a big house and they they use the wood from the big house and make sm some small 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 house for people to live in so i only found the foundation of my home <laughs> i could not find a home i could not find my family but to make a long story short i tracked down my family and i found them you did find them yes okay. did so you found them through asking around and somebody, yeah, somebody I, I knew found, somebody. Yeah, I found them through my aunt, my aunt who used to be a nurse. And now that 
now she's still a nurse, so she worked in the hospital. That was the, the big clue that I remember my aunt was a nurse. So she, she might be in the hospital. So yeah. I went to the hospital and I found her. So how, so how long was the Khmer Rouge in control? And tell us about the new government that replaced it and what was life, life like under the new rule? Well, the, the Khmer Rouge, the communist Khmer Rouge um, controlled four full years, four years. 19, April 1975 to the spring of 1979. Okay. And so then the new the new government takes over. What's that like? The 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 Vietnamese came and uh, liberated us from the Khmer Rouge, and then they um, they installed some guy and some person, a Cambodian person, to control the country. And um, at the beginning, you know, the people lost trust of the government we yeah. we we no longer trust any government so many of us escaped out of the country that's my third escape yeah we're going to talk about that yes so, so the, the, oh, go new ahead. the new government turned out to be a dictator okay he's still in control until now oh he's still in control yes from 79 yes. all the way to 2022 that's a long yes. time. Same, yes. same person. Yes, yes. And, and we're supposed to have election every five years, but he, he pulled out every kind of trick to make sure that he win the election. He, he, he um, beat up or he pretty much destroyed the opposition yeah. to make sure that he win. So you're living with your family and you're caring for your mother. Okay, what was the spark uh, that gave you the idea uh, to leave Cambodia? And tell us about the journey out of Cambodia. What was that like? Well, I live with my family. We, we enjoy our reunion because that was my dream for four years. Sure. That was, that's kept me alive because yeah. of my dream. But because of the uncertainty of this new government and the the untrust, the, the, the lack of trust and the fear for our future. Because I was still single. I'm still in my prime. And my mom was so fearful for me. And she's the one who pushed me out. She, she said, gave you the idea to leave. Yes, yes. I okay. did not want to leave. I cried two or three nights. My eye was swollen up. I didn't want to leave. Is it? Yeah. I was dreaming of this moment. I don't want to leave, but my mom convinced me to say, if you make it, if you get out and if you make it through, eventually you will have an opportunity to come and help us. Right. At that time, at, at that time, my mom was very frail. She could not make the trip. Otherwise, we all probably make the trip together. Right. Yeah. How did you decide to go to the United States? Well, when I escaped, I crossed the border to Thailand and uh, I found a refugee camp. But my mom had a cousin who came to the United States as a student. 
and he's still in United States. He was still, he was in United States. So she said, go find him and he will help you. So I trust my mom and sure, I found him and he sponsored me to come. That's how I got to United States. That's great. Describe to us, once you made it to the United States, uh, what things you did to reestablish yourself here and obviously start your life over again? Yes. Yes, I start my new life, start with the English. I didn't speak any English. I, I understand a few words, but not much. So go to English class and then try to find a job. Imagine, imagine looking for a job in 1981 without speaking English. So- Not uh, an easy feat. No, no, I was applying for a job as the housekeeper in the nursing home, they don't want me. They did not want me because I didn't speak English. I cried because I was in college, yeah. in college. And now I couldn't get a cleaning job. I was just so frustrated. Sure, I can imagine. So I decided no more, no more this kind of treatment. I'm going to get myself an education. So right. I, I learned English. I took GED class. I passed the GED. All right. <laughs> I passed GED and then registered for college. Oh, okay. So where did you, go to, where did you go to college? Western Connecticut State University. Because, because at that time, I came to United States by um, Connecticut. I lived in Connecticut. Okay. Where did you study there? Did you guess? <laughs> Engineering. I, <laughs> very close. Very close. Mathematics. <laughs> mathematics. That's what I said. Mathematics. Okay. Yeah, good, my good. favorite. My favorite. Subject. And then, I, and then, did you graduate? You graduated, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And then, yeah. and you got a job. Yes. Yes. I I I worked my way through college. I pay my own way to college. I didn't owe a dime. That's great. Tell us, tell us uh, about your advice or suggestions to those out there listening to this who are afraid and, and uncomfortable out there with their situations in life. What's your advice or suggestions to them? Because if you could get through what you went through, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of suggestions or advice. My advice is this, find the love in your heart. In my case, my family, my mom and my brother, my dad. When you have secure a, an anchor, the people that you love, you will do anything to survive. So in, in my case, I did not give up because of that love. And you had to have a strong hope and also a determination, the, the hope and the faith, it's worked together. The love, the hope, the faith, and the determination, this all work together for you to reach your goal. So everybody have their own purpose, have their own goal. Whatever that is, you have to have a strong determination. You have to have faith. The first to believe that things will be better. Absolutely. Love, hope, 
faith determination. So changing uh, the wheel a little bit, you, you've been a holistic wellness consultant for 10 years now. How did you get into that field? And did your time surviving the killing fields uh, teach you about, what did it teach you about nutrition? Did that play into it? it uh, yes, my experience back in the killing field has something to do with that. <clears throat> At one point, I was severely sick <clears throat> with malaria, typhoid, and then I become blind at night. I lost my sight at night. It's called night blindness. Wow. That, ha that happened when you, you lack of nutrition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You weren't getting yeah. any nutrition, no vitamins, nothing. Right, right. So I became blind. That was terrible. Living in the environment where there is no, um, no bathroom, just to be blunt, no bathroom. You had to go out in the wood and find a place. And I had to drive my, my next door neighbor to help me every night that I need to go. So my blindness is miserable. And, and, and I always have a fascination with the work of the vitamins and nutrition. Since I was young, I was very interested in all that, how to be healthy and all that. So that's one of my interests. Right. But um, when I live in the United States, at one point I was reaching 50 and I struggled with my health. It just woke me up right again. So I realized that I need to take care of myself because at that time I was caregiver to my mom one more time, the second time. Um, but I did not take care of myself. So... I start to take care of myself, get back to good health again. And then I realized people need my help. I need to help them. So that's how I become a wellness consultant. Now you wrote a chapter in, in a book called Holistic Approach. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that book? <laughs> yes, I have my book here with me. Yep, that's that it. Whole, yeah, Holistic Approach right. is... <laughs> is the, um, the personal story of triumph and transformation through mind, body, and spirit. And I was invited to uh, write one chapter because of my journey, because of my involvement in the nutrition, in the holistic uh, wellness. So um, we have many professionals contribute to this book. We have chiropractor, we have... Uh, uh, functional medicine, we have uh, pharmacists, we have holistic uh, nutritionists, um, massage therapists, or all kinds of holistic practitioners contribute to this book. So I, I was so happy that I can contribute to Yeah, that's book. great. That's great yeah. that, they, that they picked you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book? It, does it what is it? What subjects does it touch upon? The subject is touching on taking care of your your body, personal health care, personal well, uh, personal wellness uh -huh. um, from your mind, from your thought, from your physical, from exercise and nutrition. Every every area of our body it's covered in this book. Okay, it sounds like a great book. It's called 
holistic approach. And Sarah, and Sarah has written a chapter in it. Sarah, what, what inspires you? What inspired me is my gratitude. My gratitude that God saved my life. I was 2 million Cambodian who did not make it. I am so grateful that I'm still alive. So what, So with this gift, I want to make the best of, of my life. Yes. I want, I want to help people. You want to give back. I, yeah, I want to get, get back, give back. And I, also, if I, and I also want to tell them that no matter how bad the situation is, if you want something bad enough, you can still get it. You have to keep, you can't give up. No, right, that's right. So if you had to give one tip out there to people, what would it be? Just one tip. One tip. One tip. Love and faith. Okay. Love, love and, faith. and faith. Yeah, love. Go together. When you have love and you have faith that you will make it, it will be better. It will be better. You will, you will, uh, you will come out. Great advice. What excites you uh, the most going forward? In your work, what excites me the most is that I will have opportunity to transform some people's life. A lot of people read my book, and their life have been changed. And I got a lot of testimony, a lot of uh, review, and it just pleased me. It just made me so happy that I can make a difference in people's life. I can make it better. Because when I struggle, I didn't have some help. Right. And you know yeah. what that's like to go with without any help. Yeah. Yes. And, and people do need that help. They shouldn't go alone. They should reach out for that help. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Sarah, if people want to get a hold of you, they have questions or whatever, how can they contact you? You have a website or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I have my website, sarahm.com. S-A-R-A-I-M.com. Okay. And they can they get you, find, they, they can get you through there. Yeah, they, they will find me there, find my information. And I also uh, can be reached on my on my email. Sarah at sarahm.com. That's S-A-R-A at Sarah I-M dot com. Or yes. dot com. Yeah. 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 Yes. Those would be the, also, yeah. Those would be the two best ways. Yes, yes. And I'm all also on LinkedIn and Facebook. All right. LinkedIn and Facebook. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list that information in the podcast notes so people can can use that for reference. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing story with us. The fact that you persevered uh, through your ordeals gives us all hope and inspiration that we can make it through our challenges as well, and we can learn from your advice through your experience. And I want to wish you continued success going forward with your life and your work. Uh, Comments and suggestions to improve the uh, podcast, or if you want to hear uh, a subject on the podcast. It's a wrap with wrap at gmail.com. We have a website. It's a wrap with wrap.com. You can get on our email list. Uh, we have a Facebook page and group. It's a wrap with wrap. 
Instagram. It's a rap with rap podcast. And all the episodes are on YouTube. It's a wrap with wrap the podcast uncut. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. And for now, it's a wrap.